rumor, a currently circulating story or report of uncertain or questionable truth. This is Rumors of Grace, where I talk to people rumored to have found beauty and truth in broken and uncommon places. Jamal, welcome to the, I guess we could call it the Zoomcast, the podcast. You're in California. I'm in Nashville. Welcome. Thank you. It's, it's an honor to, to be to be talking with you again. I know I've done some uh, podcasts on your, your podcast, Rumors of Grace. And yeah. Recently saw you out in Tennessee before all this ha- kind of unfolded. Yeah, absolutely. How, how are you and your wife holding up there in We're the mountains of California? We're doing good. Being in the mountains here in Southern California, it's probably, <clears throat> I feel like it could be one of the perfect places to be. In light of the pandemic and everything that's going on, it feels very natural to like quarantine because, you know, we're just a big forest and it's a great place to take a walk. And it's, I really enjoy it for sure. Yeah. It's It's awesome. Yeah. Well, I wanted to just let, let you know, you're the first guest in this series, this mini series that I'm doing on, you know, taking care of yourself and mental health. It's a hot, hot discussion. People I talk to all over the country, Jamal, are all dealing with different types of, depending on their personality, depending on their situation, depending on what's happened with their work, their families, et cetera, you know, are, are kind of handling this in different ways. And the, I'd like to do my part in just pulling together some people that kind of talk on this subject from many different kind of disciplines. And I know you as a friend and also as an author, and your, your book, Living for a Living, that I really thoroughly enjoyed and refer back to from time to time, you talk a lot about mindset, you talk about kind of changing thinking patterns, and people are dealing with a lot of those things right now. So I guess the first question that I want to start with is, what are some ways to acknowledge what's going on and the reality of it? Because something is going on, i.e. the coronavirus people we've all known or have some sort of connection to people who have gotten it, who've suffered through it. Some of us maybe even have friends or family who have passed away. But how do we handle the reality of this and acknowledge it in a healthy way? Because there's obviously a lot of unhealthy ways to either deny it or to be obsessed with it or to pretend I'm just going to tune everything out and not acknowledge it. What are some healthy ways that we can acknowledge the reality of this? Yes. That's a great, great question. You know, I think the first thing is to understand. So understand what's going on in you with this. So there's a lot of things going on. Number one, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's upheaval. We don't know. People are trying to make sense of it. How bad is it? Because, you know, we hear, we hear the arguments that talk about, well, this is being overblown. And then the other side of it is we're all going to die. You know, there's so where's the reality? Well, <clears throat> the reason people have these extreme kind of tendencies to catastrophize it as if this is the end of the world or to deny it as if it's not happening is because people desire to come to a level of certainty where they feel like they understand, they have a sense of, oh, I understand what's happening. People really have a need to feel like they have a measure of control and that they understand what's happening. It's, just, it's to establish a sense of safety or certainty, which I believe is a core human need to feel that. 
So that's what's happening. That's why people gravitate towards, you know, extreme positions and really got to figure this out. I have to figure out what's actually going on. And so I can, I've seen that lead to wild conspiracy theories. Again, again, you know, you know, a lot of evidence towards it doesn't matter, true or not true. The aim behind it is to is to feel okay. I understand what's going on, and vice versa. Folks who are looking at all the data and saying this is going to be a, an apocalyptic event, lots of people are going to die. It's also so people can prepare themselves emotionally or physically, even for what may be coming. It's to get a sense of certainty. So what I like to tell people is. Understand what's behind your quest to try to figure out what's going on. And so a healthy way to ignore is to just, first of all, accept it. Is to mm. say, okay, something's happening. Yes. Something's happening. Obviously, something's happening. And so whether or not, you know, you understand exactly how it's happening and why it's happening is less important as to just accept the fact, yeah, there's things going on and they're causing me to feel a little bit anxious or a lot a lot of bit anxious however you want to put that there is something going on and i accept that mm. and, and I, it doesn't mean you like it it doesn't mean you know all the ins and outs of the details but you don't really need to know when you get to a point of acceptance and just say it is happening the world there is something happening in the world out there that is beyond my initial control mm. and i accept that it, it puts you it brings you back to this place of again when we feel threatened, we're in a fight or flight kind of stance, fight or flight, which, right. is, which is really, we're not meant to live in that place. It, it causes adrenal fatigue. It causes you know, all these uh, stress hormones are secreted. It, it degrades your immune system. We don't want that. All of these, it's, it's a very destabilizing energy to live in. So just by accepting it, it you, you get to this place where you're not resisting yeah. So whatever whatever you resist, you you know whatever you resist persists. Whatever you focus on, where energy where focus goes, energy flows. So it's like you know you just you don't want to give a lot of energy to it. You want to just kind of I accept it. I accept it. It's happening. Just saying that to yourself. Uh, a little technique. Then we can probably get into this later. But there's a little technique I do to like help me find that zero point of acceptance is to find a statement that has no emotional charge. Hmm. So, for, for example, like it's today, it's Friday when we're recording this. So there's no judgment about Friday. It's not good or bad. There's no real emotional charge that it's Friday. It's just Friday. So I'll say that. And you can feel how that feels in your body to say it's Friday. How does that feel? I can feel that. So sometimes I'll just say it's Friday and I feel, you know, a little anxious about what's happening in the world. It's Friday and there is a pandemic going on in the world today <laughs> just is so it can't it, it that's it that's it i think a healthy way if you go down the road of trying to figure out all the ins and outs so first so we're, we have limited information you know right um, the president of the united states gets a intelligence briefing every morning because he needs to know certain things going on behind the scenes that maybe other folks wouldn't and that would help him make decisions well right. for us in order to really make decisions <laughs> and, and and to come to assessments about what's going on, you have to have a lot of information. You can have ideas and theories, but if you go down that road, either side of it, you know, it doesn't matter what side of it is, you're, it's not going to be healthy for you. I would really encourage people not to do that. I would encourage people to just acknowledge there is there is a situation going on, and I and just accept it. And um, 
because you know, and that's what you're really after is a sense of certainty. Because the sense of you know of of, of acceptance and that you're not you're going to be okay. That's actually within your state. It's not out. You don't have to know all the ins and outs of what's happening in order for you to feel safe. And the more you try, you're really chasing certainty. And whatever you chase, you never have. Mm. So that's, that's the good. Yeah. So that's really good. What do you think is the the best way for you so for example you're in the mountains of california and i know you're busy with you know lots of different things coaching and things like that but do you do you watch what's going on do you listen to the news do you talk about it with your wife and friends what 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 works what is the perceiving of the reality of it consist of on a daily basis for you yeah, that's a great question. I, te- I have tended to be somebody who <clears throat> I'm, I'm, um, I'm curious by nature. So I, I, I like to know what's happening in the world. I, I used to, before the pandemic, would watch the news quite a bit from many different sources just to try to get a sense of what are the issues going on in our, in our country and our, around the world. And this is because I like to do that. What I have done since this pandemic has broken out is because I do recognize the panic and I recognize the, the fear and the sense of hysteria that's out there. And I see personally, my personal belief is the media has not been helpful. The media, and when I say media, it's a broad brush, but I mean the, 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 the major outlets that are promoting this. There is, it, it is not, I don't believe, I think journalists are by and far, you know, great people and doing an honest profession, but there's a, the institution of media today in the way, the kind of the big picture, I mean, it's driven by clicks and by uh, extreme emotions. And so they'll be, you know, they're going to, they're going to tell stories that are going to create extreme emotional books in you. I've seen stories where coffins on the front page and, you know, the coronavirus is causing people to die or worse deaths alone. And, you know, and all these different headlines that he grabs you and sucks you in and you feel the emotions of the people who are, they're telling you real stories of people. And it's just, you know, and so when you multiply that by millions of people, that energy, that's a real force. So I've recognized this is not healthy. This is not healthy. It doesn't help anybody. So it's one thing to be informed. So what I try to do is I'll limit mainstream media to very small chunks, just to get a sense of, is there any major changes to the situation? Anything I need to be aware of that I'm not aware of, but then I just turn it off. I don't, it's really bad for the mental health to just ingest that. So, because there, a lot of it is not news. Most information is regurgitated, re- repetitious, fear-based catastrophe about either about how bad the economy is or about how many people are dying and how, look, I think the, the basic message that I recommend people is like, look, understand the orders in your area, practice quarantining, stay home, social distancing. If you have to go out you know, to the stores, obviously do that. But beyond that, what do you need to do? This is an opportunity to focus on what matters. And again, the media is not going to help you do that because it's just going to suck you into this. Yeah. This One of the things. One of the things that I always remind myself and I tell others is that as much as you think it may be true, the media does not have your best interest at heart. They have their own best interest at heart, which is to continue to get as many eyeballs and get as much advertising and keep the doors open and get the ratings 
and make sure that people are watching them. And that's their main interest. Now, that's certainly not a judgment against any of the individual reporters or journalists. I think they have, most of them have decent motives. But at the end of the day, the only person that has your best interest at heart is you. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to keep that in mind when consuming all this content that, um, you know, there's different motives for putting it out there. And that, I guess that kind of leads me to my next question is in your book, Living for a Living, you talk a lot about a scarcity mindset and how that can control us and affect our lives and our decisions. There's a lot of scarcity and fear going on right now. And what I mean by that is, you know, you go to the grocery store and go try to find some toilet paper. There's this idea that I've got to hoard up these things because there might not be enough. There might not be enough toilet paper. There may not be enough food. There may not be enough money. There may not be enough business. There may not be enough whatever. And so we're being told, uh, again, by lots of sources, that these are desperate times. Talk, talk to me about you know, the, the scarcity mindset, how it can creep in in, oper- in situations like this, how it can control us, and how do we, how do we deal with that? It's mm. a great question. Well, first of all, <clears throat> it's understandable. So I want to say it's totally understandable, especially when this, I think right after the president declared a national state of emergency and things started to spiral pretty quickly. What I noticed was people were making a run on the stores and hoarding stock stockpiles of uh, toilet paper and, you know, food and that kind of thing. And that's understandable. And I was talking to a friend recently about that. And of course we see that in natural disasters, places where there, you know, where there's a hurricane, you know, let's see, you know, when the hurricane hit the Gulf Katrina years ago and I was natural, people started making a run on supplies, but it's whatever was deemed as to be a shortage of. Okay. When there was, so at, he was telling me that in their area, there wasn't, there was really no damage. The particular area where he lived, there was no real damage due to the hurricane, but people had perceived somehow there was a perceived shortage of gasoline. So people went and started boarding. They were lining up, filling their tanks, all this kind of thing to the point where you couldn't get gas. It was like, it was, people were, you know, just flocking in droves to get all of everybody had to fill up their tanks at the same time which created a shortage of gasoline. So eventually, though, that doesn't last because the supply chain will catch up when there's an initial grab for it. But I get it. It creates. So what people don't realize is that the individual uh, mindset is there's not going to be enough. So let me take more than I would normally take, which interrupts the supply chain, which creates temporarily a sense of yeah well there is there's a there's a sense of there is a lack in the, on the shelves so people, people so what you're saying is that an attitude uh, a perceived attitude because it's not real of scarcity cre- actually creates scarcity and I, this this whole thing with toilet paper I'm a very curious person too Jamal so I got to really digging in to find out like what is this about why toilet paper and what I. What I learned just from investigating and learning and putting pieces together and reading different things is it comes down to this, that toilet paper is very large and it's bulky. So when you go and look at a shelf of long shelf, of, it takes up a lot of space at a grocery store and there's not a lot of it there. It just takes up a lot of space. So when somebody goes and buys a lot of it for whatever reason and it sells out, 
it's a lot more noticeable than when you go and buy a can of tuna and the tuna sells out because it's only a matter of inches on the space. So the media looks at that and takes a picture. Somebody took a picture or a video of an empty, of an empty shelf of toilet paper and it gets broadcast across the country. And then that scarcity mindset kicks in. People say, Oh my gosh, toilet paper is gone. I better go get it because there is a scarcity shortage of it. And the reality is there was never any scarcity or shortage of toilet paper. And there's no reason that we need extra toilet paper during this time because there's no scarcity. <laughs> However, it then created that supply chain scarcity. The psychology is stunning. And, and how it's driven through suggestion. And this is where the media, I believe, that needs to understand the power that they have and to use it responsibly. Because it is, again, this suggestion that it's not there that creates panic in people's minds, which, again, our fears tend to manifest itself because that's our vision of the future. So we think, oh, there's not going to be enough. And now we created a situation where there's a disruption in the supply chain. So my advice to people is when you hear the, the media reports of devastating times, global depression, you know, all of the, you know, hard, whatever it is, is to recognize, wait, where is the, okay, let's use toilet paper. Where's the toilet paper that there's no, that we, we see lack of, where is it right now? It's where it is right now. Wherever the toilet paper is, is where it is. And where is it? Well, it's sitting in a lot of people's homes. Uh, you know, but eventually, they, you, know, you can't keep, you run out of space, so you can't keep buying toilet paper. But it's also, they're not making any less toilet paper than they were before. It's still, there's all that toilet paper. The, the ability to make it's still all there. So it, there is no short, there's no lack of any, anything. So when we hear about the economy, we take it out. We say, well, what about the economy? Where's all this money, trillions of dollars lost? Where's that money? If it's lost, where is it? <laughs> it's wherever it already was, which is people, money is a currency, is a metaphor for current energy. It's all it is. Who creates it? We do. People do. We, literally, there's a, in our country, there's a Federal Reserve Board. They just print it. <laughs> just make it. So it, it is. It, it it comes from us, people, supplies, and there is nothing lost. Okay, there is a disruption to the supply chain because we have a situation going on where the the natural flow is no longer there. But it doesn't mean anything is lost. So it's really important for people to understand that scarcity or lack is an illusion. So don't don't buy into it because a lot of these stories about you know all this money is lost and this is hard times. It causes a, a, a false perception in the thinking that there is something missing. All the resources you need to live are, all, are where they have always been. They're, they're here. And really, we are the creators of the economy. We are the creators of currency. We are the creators of commerce. And we are, still, we are right here. So you are the resource. And so it's important for people just at a philosophical level to understand that there is no lack if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. The, you know, one of the things I've heard you say over and over is scarcity doesn't exist. It is a false premise. There's no such thing as scarcity. Can you talk about that briefly? Yeah, totally. And, and again, this may sound a little ridiculous, but scarcity is a perception that something that I can conceive of doesn't exist. Okay, but everything, and this is, you have to kind of understand the fabric of how reality works, even from a quantum science level. At a quantum science level, 
the fabric of everything is consciousness. I believe his name was uh, Max Planck. He's uh, won a Nobel Prize for physics, I think, in 1908. But he's considered by many the father, in some degrees, of quantum science. But he, one of he's some of his major discoveries. The premise of it was behind the fabric of all the entire universe is what folks call the the unified field in the quantum science. They call it the unified field or the field of infinite possibilities or you know, more spiritual traditions and Christian traditions, you know, we, we understand to be the divine, to be God. But this is, this is where everything comes from. Every, all energy has a, has a vibratory quality about it. So it, it's, an, it's a physical manifestation of the invisible. So at the level of, of, of the source, which is invisible, everything exists. All right. possibilities are there. So a, a lack, a, an understanding of lack is, I can conceive of something at the consciousness level that doesn't exist, but everything exists at the level of consciousness. So all we have to deal with is everything. All we have to go on is existence. Non-existence is not a thing. Right. Because not, it, just the term non-existence means it doesn't exist. So right. we don't have to be afraid of something that doesn't exist because all we have is existence. That's right. And that's the idea of that. It's like it lack simply is an illusion. Like I, if you can conceive it at the level of conception, it exists. That's right. And can right. be manifested. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's hard for people to wrap their head around when the realities of life, and, and we don't have enough time probably to go into it. That's a different show. But, you know, the realities of life of, well, I don't have enough money to pay my mortgage or I lost right. my job or you know, I'm fearful of getting sick, which that's a reality. The virus is real. And if I get sick, I'm, I have a compromised immune system. So, you know, these things seem to contradict, but what you're saying is it's uh, when it comes to the mindset of I'm, uh, there is something that I lack or I'm going to lack or is going to affect me negatively. 99.9% of the time, that's really all in my head and it's not true. And the practical thing is the toilet paper example of, yes. you know, someone put it in our head or gave us a picture that said, look at this empty shelf of toilet paper all over the country. Right. And so we immediately people then their anxiety was raised. They went out and hoarded it. And then when everyone else goes to it, they see empty shelves you know, as soon as it's put out, it's gone. So when you get there an hour later, there's no toilet paper. So you begin to create an illusion in your head that says, there is a shortage of toilet paper. I am going to run out. What on earth are we going to do in my family? And you, the anxiety raises and you go to the grocery store every morning and you ask people and all you are is you're consumed with finding toilet paper and paper towels, right? That's right. And, and it, the moment you go to the store and see that there indeed is empty, you go, see, let's look, I got evidence. There's lack. And that right. evidence builds, builds a case and, and, the, and then, you know, it's a snowball and, you, and it, it begins to, to, to grow and grow. And then to the point where your state of being is totally compromised and now you're in fight or flight and then your immune system gets degraded and you start getting sick. Yeah. Insufferable. Yeah. And, yeah. So it leads me to my next question then is, what are some really one or two just practical tips and tools that we can use daily as part of our daily rhythm to not only survive, but thrive in this time? 
because so many of us are longing for daily consistency and rhythms of, okay, what do I do? Do I, you know, I talk to people all over the country and, you know, they're binging on Netflix. They're trying to do their job. They're trying to, you know, they're, you know, depending on your personality type, you either love this or you feel like you're in hell being cooped up and trapped inside your house. So talk to us, talk to me about, you know, what are some just real practical tools or a tool that we can be doing as part of our daily rhythms? That's great. You know, first thing I always tell people, like, you know, folks I work with in coaching, personal coaching, always help folks adopt practices of how they begin their day. I think it's really important when you begin your day to have a meditation practice, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so with that, it's just breath work. So mm-hmm. a practical thing you can do when you get up in the morning, first thing before you get into your day, get that you know, social media and start getting stuck down that road, have a routine. This is right now during the pandemic is a great time to begin to establish a new routine. And routine provides consistency. And consistency is going to help you feel a measure of certainty and safety. So you want to have a routine. Routines can be really helpful. Adopt a morning routine. For me, I have a routine. I get up, you know, obviously go to the bathroom, most people do. And then I, I get my coffee. I have a little place in my house because I live in the mountains. It gets cold, right? And so there's a nice heater. I just sit in front of this heater. I have my coffee. And I, I do. I have a practice, a, a meditation practice that I do. Again, there's many, many, many different kinds of practices you can adopt. But find one that works for you and adopt it and do it consistently every day. This is really going to help you establishing a grounded being. I would recommend twice a day having a meditation practice, but at least once a day in the morning. So important. Second thing I would advise people to do is to adopt a a practice that I would call, I call it the, the thought evaluator. Okay. So thoughts, your mind is going to, thoughts are going to come into your mind, all kinds of thoughts. Actually, there are how many, there's been studies, like an astronomical amount of thoughts come into your head every day. So, Here's something you can just realize. Good news. You don't have to entertain every thought that comes in. It'll pass through your mind and it'll leave. But a thought, thoughts, okay, so have um, some qualities about them. And you can, what you want to do is evaluate these thoughts and decide whether or not you want to engage them. So I have three criteria um, that you can use to evaluate your thoughts. First criteria is, So whenever a thought comes to my mind, I ask this question, is this thought about something I have control over or not? Simple. It's just very simple. If you, most thoughts that we come in our mind, we have zero control over. We have, so people who struggle with depression, studies have shown that they, their, the quality of their thoughts that they engage with, most of their, those thoughts are about things they have zero control over, which helps, which makes you feel helpless. So if a thought comes in my mind and I have zero control over it, what I say is, uh, oh, that I have no control over. It. Just let it go. Now, if you do have control over, it, is this something I have control over? You, you evaluate that thought. You observe it. Oh, I have some control over it. Let's think about it. That's great. You're gonna because there's options and you're gonna feel empowered. Second criteria is: is the thought that's coming through my mind about something I perceive I lack, or is it about something I actually have that I'm grateful for? So if it's about something I think I, I, I need, I don't have, I just let it go. I just, I just observe it. I let it go. I don't engage that. I don't grab onto that because that's going to make me feel impoverished. So what I do is I say, well, okay, what is it that I actually have right now? If it's a thought about something I have, 
then I will actually think about that and actually feel gratitude for that. So moving into a place of gratitude, powerful, because that will snowball on you. There's a lot we have right now that, that, that we can feel grateful for that actually will, and what you appreciate tends to appreciate. So that's the second. And the third one is, is this a thought about the future? Maybe an unknown future that's making me feel anxious. If it is, I just let it go. I have no control over it. It's the future. There is no future. So I remind myself, there is no actual future. Future really doesn't exist. If you think about it, it only exists in the mind. All that we ever have and ever will have is right now. And we create whatever the future is that it's going to be. It's created in the con- context of the present moment. And it's all we have. So always come back to the present. So those three thoughts, is it about something I control? Is it about something I have? And is it about the present moment? If the answer is yes to all three, I can engage that thought and that thought will actually empower me. And if they don't have those qualities, I'll just let it go. Those are excellent. Those are excellent. Thank you so much for that. And I, that last one uh, really hit me is there is no such thing as the future in reality. Everything is always the present, meaning that's all we ever have. We, we can't teleport to, we don't have a time machine where we can be here and then all of a sudden be where no one else is uh, and see the future. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, that'd be really cool. But uh, the reality is we always are in the present moment and that's where we have to live. And that's the danger of forward thinking and future thinking for sure. So thank you for that. What are you working on these days? Uh, you've got a lot of downtime, obviously. You're not traveling. You're not, you know, even even going out too much. What what are you working on? That's a great question. Well, I'm, I'm still doing my individual, working with my individual coaching clients. So that, that hasn't really changed a lot for me with those situations. I, I do work from home, but I am, um, I really am leaning into the season of, of uh, quarantine and pandemic. And, and I'm, I'm, um, my, I'm, the intention I'm holding for is that this is a time to pause and reset. And uh, in light of that, I, before all this happened, I, I had a sense that 2020 was going to be a year where I really need to focus Pretty, pretty specifically on the poverty mindset. So I, I, I knew I created a workshop that was all about working with a small group of people to unpack the, the poverty mindset in a way and in, in in, with some depth and help us implement or unpack it and then have, implement uh, what an abundance mindset is and how that can affect us on a day-to-day life and how it can actually propel us into our work. So I created a, a workshop around that. I'm actually launching that. And I, I couldn't, I, I'm kind of blown away with how appropriate that workshop is or specifically this season, because I believe when we get on the other side of it, which we will, you know, this is seasonal, it's not forever, it's temporary, but when there's going to be a world on the other side of it. So we can envision a world that we want to see happen. That's possible, even though, you know, it's the future, but it's where we create the future through our imagination. So I'm imagining a world post, you know, post, post this pandemic in which People are approaching the economy. People are approaching currency. People are approaching work much differently. This workshop, I, I believe, is just a tool that will help some folks uh, do that. So I'm really working. On, I'm working on that workshop. We're going to launch it in about a week or so, and so that's kind of my focus right now. That's awesome. Well, we will. We will certainly look for that, Jamal. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your wise advice and wisdom. It's always helpful. Hopefully, this will be helpful to people that are that are dealing with this. And thank you again. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you for hosting these conversations. It's so important. So important. Thank you, Bob. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you.